Hi, Hi everyone. everyone. I'm John. And I'm Georgia. And we're here inside your ears to talk about the mac and cheese of movies. This, this is, is Comfort, Comfort Films. Films. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 58 of Comfort Films podcast. Today we're going to be discussing a veritable smorgasbord of Christmas films. (laughs) We just have so many Christmas movies that we like. And I mean, we we just the other night were watching Spirited with my mother, you know, and we couldn't get over just how great it was. And we already had a fantastic show in the can with a guest. Yes. And, you know, we're excited to talk about that. You know, the Ryan Reynolds film Just Friends. And then we were like, hey, maybe we can tie in Spirited. And then we were like, hey, what if we also got a solo Will Ferrell film, which also happens to be a Christmas film, and then, ta-da, Elf. So here we are, ready to chop it up on three fronts. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) I mean, way, way back this summer, uh, we invited Sarah from Two Chicks Talking Flicks to come on our show and discuss one of her favorite comfort films. And even though it was summer, <laughs> we chose Just Friends, which is a, a Ryan Reynolds Christmas movie um, from 05. And this whole time we've been thinking, is there another Ryan Reynolds Christmas movie we could do with it, you know, to combo it up? And we couldn't really come up with a good option. And then lo and behold, out came Spirited. Spirited. So it just really worked out great. John and I are going to touch on Spirited for a few minutes and Elf for a few minutes before uh, we played that episode. Yeah, we just felt like it was like, why give you just one Christmas gift when we can give you three? (laughs) Because all these things are just kind of tied together with a neat bow. I mean, the fact that, you know, Spirited actually has a callback to Elf in it, that's going to be the first thing that I bring up. Yes. You know, because, I mean, we have, you know, Will Ferrell and Spirited, and he runs into someone dressed up like Buddy the Elf. Right? And he tells them that he looks stupid. <laughs> Just hilarious. Oh my God, it's uh, funny. Well, you know what? We really enjoyed about Spirited, I think, multiple things. But one of the first things is it's another Christmas Carol kind of takeoff. Yes. And if you've been listening to us for a very, very long time, you know that we really like Christmas Carol movies. We did uh, episode 11 way back last year around Christmas on Bill Murray's Scrooged. And the Muppet Christmas Carol. And we talked about, you know, those two takes on uh, the Charles Dickens story. And Spirited is another one of those types of movies. It's it's kind of a modernized take um, where we are looking at this kind of team that visits people with the three ghosts and tries to help them, you know, improve their outlook on life. And they do, you know, one person a year. And Will Ferrell's character is part of that team. I don't want to get into too great of a detail because I feel like a lot of people may not have seen this movie yet. If your holiday season is anything like ours, you're just like unable to stop for five minutes. (laughs) So, (laughs) So you probably have a lot of things piled up in the queue that you want to watch. But we strongly suggest you check this one out. It really has a lot of great things. And in particular... If you like the Will Ferrell elf movie and you also like Ryan Reynolds' Just Friends, I really think you would like this because we have these two guys in in this movie together 
kind of doing the things that both of them are very good at. Like, the Will Ferrell character is very, like, naive, kind of fish out of water. He's a guy who, you know, is in the big city and doesn't really know what's going on. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And just like Buddy the Elf, which is great. And then Ryan Reynolds is doing, like, his, you know, super sarcastic... Uh, kind of thing that he does and everything. Oh, yeah, his slick dude. He's a (laughs) slick dude, that Ryan Reynolds. You know, and I mean, what also ties it together so nicely is an elf. We have this whole story with music with Zoe Deschanel, right? And that comes around at the end. That's what makes the magic of Christmas happen. And in Spirited, we're treated to a musical with Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. And the numbers are fantastic. The energy, the passion that these guys bring to these songs. It was so nice. And it's so nice to watch it with a family. You know what I mean? We had my mother over, you know, for Thanksgiving. We're like, all right. You know, we piled in. We watched it. And even, you know, if you're one of those people, it's like, I don't want to watch another holiday movie, buddy. Why don't you just pass me the beer nuts? (laughs) You know, put this on. You know, because I'm telling you, you might say, all right. All right, it's pretty good. Yeah. I like Santa now. <laughs> Even if you're a little scroogey yourself. Exactly. I think that, you know, this movie could win you over. I mean, there's some really funny stuff in it. My very favorite thing is this number called Good Afternoon. <laughs> where, yes. you know, basically the premise of the song and dance is that back in like the Victorian days... Saying good afternoon to somebody was tantamount to telling them to go screw themselves. And so they go through this (laughs) hilarious, hilarious number. And I just laughed and laughed about it. And that joke comes back around several times in the movie. So, yes, look out for good afternoon. It's great. Um, there's so many great dancers. Like, they have just a whole ensemble of, like, Mm -hmm. great dancers working in this. We have Octavia Spencer yes, as kind of a love interest, mm-hmm. which is a really cool thing. Like, I haven't seen her in that role before. And, you know, it's nice to see somebody who is a little bit older and isn't like, you know, your size two kind of person being the love interest. Um, but she's so great and so wonderful in this. And I just I just really liked it. It made me smile a lot. I know. And, and like Buddy the Elf, smiling's my favorite. <laughs> it's uh, make work your favorite. <laughs> I right? wish I could make right. work my favorite. I, I mean, man. I do a lot more of that. but <laughs> <laughs> man. But yeah, no, spirited, yes. I, I mean, Octavia Spencer, you know, we get treated to her singing as well. Yeah. You know, there are just so many great moments in this movie. And again, it's very funny. We're like, we're talking about Spirited, but at the same time, we don't want to talk about Spirited because we don't want to ruin it. Yes. But it's a good time. And remember, if nothing else, good afternoon. Yeah. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) And we mean that in the nicest possible way. We sure do. Um, Yeah. So anything else on Spirited? It's good. Yeah. Yeah. It is on Apple TV streaming um, still, so go check it out. Um, Moving on to talk about Elf for a few minutes before we turn it over to our other episode. Mm -hmm. Um, I just love this movie. It's kind of one of our traditional ones that we watch over and over. Um, And we came to this kind of later. Uh, By the time I watched this, 
I kind of didn't have a lot of expectations to like it because everybody had quoted it so much to me that I was just like, oh yeah, okay, great. But I watched it. It's heartwarming. I really do love the character of Buddy. You know, he's so naive and so innocent and just such a good person. Like, he has so much good in him and it just spreads out, you know, to everybody else. And I like a lot of the acting in this. Like, there's good acting. Like, James James Conn is amazing. I know. Sonny Corleone <laughs> pulling through as Will Ferrell's father. I mean, that's quite a performance. It's very straight. It's very serious. It's like Michael Caine and the Muppet Christmas Carol. He really takes you through this entire journey. You fully buy that James Conn is a high-powered businessman. Yeah, you know, There's no question. You know, so, I mean, we have that, and we have that presence. And, I mean, all of us, I think, pretty much somewhere in the back of our heads are like, oh, yeah, the Godfather. Remember? <laughs> it's sunny. You know, and so it's like we have that going in. And then you have Will Ferrell, who's just the best goof on planet Earth. Yes. You know, that that's like, you know, my, my spirit animal. I love acting out, you know, like a child, and this is fun. So you kind of have the immovable James Caan, and then you have the really fun Will Ferrell. And watching the two of them play together great yeah. and we also get as the stepmother mary steenburgen i love her in this yes. and every time i see it i love her even more she's just such a sweet person and so good-hearted you know yeah. like she finds out you know that her husband of many years has like a secret love child and instead of being like horrified and taken aback She's thrilled. She's so happy. <laughs> She's the best. I mean, I mean, I think this is the person. I think this is the person that, like, if you're a really hardened criminal that you want to be with, you know? <laughs> I got a body in the garage. Okay, great. You know, like, I don't think that there's anything that she would be like, you know, no, no. You know what I mean? She's, like, yeah, she's too good of a person. Like, I honestly don't understand why all of these wonderful people want to hang around with James Conn. <laughs> because he's kind of like a jerk, you know? Big jerk at this, yeah. But, you know, somehow he draws all of these really sweet people to him, you know? And he's got Buddy and he's got his wife, Mary Steenburgen. But I, I love her. I think she's wonderful. She actually really reminds me of my mom because yeah. she's from the South. My mom's from the South. Like, they have such a similar thing. I've said that before uh, when we did Four Christmases because Mary Steenburgen is in that as well. Mm -hmm. And she really reminds me of my mom in that movie, too. Uh, but, yeah, I, I thought she was great. And, you know, we have such a lot of good, like, minor characters in this. Oh, let's talk about the guy in the mailroom. That's the guy oh, I yeah. really... That's your what... favorite part of the movie, I think. <laughs> that scene in the mailroom is so hilarious, you know, when he sees this guy pouring what he thinks is syrup into his coffee, <laughs> yeah. you know? And he's like, oh, you know, is that syrup? And he gives him some, and, you know, and Will Ferrell takes the bottle and just pours this really large amount. <laughs> and then it's like... we cut to these two guys just blasted and just laid out in the mail room and it's just like the you know will ferrell's talking these fantasies and it's just it's so relatable because you know when we're younger hell when we're older hell maybe right now we've all had these moments you know where you've had a few with your friends and you're just really 
letting it hang out with what you think and feel. And, and those are the funniest moments. Yeah, and that guy also has that great line where he's just like, I'm 26 years old. And are like, uh, I think not. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, it's almost like Joe versus the volcano with the mailroom. It did that to him. You yeah. know, he's 26. Well, then, you know, we have that Buddy turns the mailroom into a party, you know, yeah. and everybody's dancing and having a good time. That's great. It's great because it's like you really believe that Will Ferrell as Buddy could change people. Yeah. He could melt that icy heart of his father. You know, Mary Steenburgen having her on his team is great. You know, and it also kind of makes me think of Step Brothers years later. Oh, you know, yeah. they team up again. Yep. You know, she's just, ah, she's perfect. I mean, everybody. We have Peter Dinklage. You know what I mean? Oh, he's great. Yes. Little, little part, but he's so funny um, as like this tough author. You know, he comes in to like help these, <laughs> help these really, you know, terrible guys. Oh, yeah. They were played by Kyle Gass and Andy Richter. And they're trying to come up with, like, some winning idea for a kid's book because they really have to do some damage control um, over this pigeon and the puppy book that was messed up. So (laughs) they have these ideas, and they bring in this character that Peter Dinklage plays, and he's kind of like the fixer. Like, he's going to give them this great idea. They're going to be able to save, you know, the publishing company. And... It's just hilarious that he's like this total hard ass. Yeah. Who's like a super famous children's writer. Like it just doesn't fit. And I, I just love like and both Andy Richter and Kyle Gass are so funny in this. Like they're pitching these ideas and they're like, a tomato who lives on a farm. No, too vulnerable. Tomatoes are too vulnerable. <laughs> and then Kyle Gass is like, all right, how about uh little kids who are asparagus but they're afraid of the way their pee smells (laughs) or self-conscious they're self-conscious about the way their pee smells ridiculous like all their idea and then james cottage is like all their ideas are vegetables i don't know what are you what are you gonna do yeah peter dinklage tells them like no more vegetable ideas no farms yo yeah, and yeah. then later, you know, it's like they get to see inside of Peter Dinklage's book, and he has, like, you know, the farm ideas, too. Yeah, oh, and Andy Richter's totally BS about it. <laughs> He's like, oh, one of his ideas, one of these great ideas, is a peach who lives on a farm. Come on, what's more vulnerable than a peach? <laughs> I just think it's great. I mean, because these guys should not be working in children's books at all. No. And that just adds so much funniness to this. Um, It's almost like Death to Smoochie. I mean, Death to Smoochie, much darker film, you know, but we're dealing with children's television, (laughs) you know, and charity. And it's just like these really shadowy figures, you know, and and with this, yeah, Peter Dinklage, very tough, very precise. And he wants a a specific car (laughs) and he wants it to be 71 degrees. Was that it? Yeah. 71 degrees. Yeah. Very specific about it. And then, of course, you know, Buddy mistakes him for an elf. And he, like, flies completely off the handle and beats the ever-loving crap out of Buddy. Oh, my God. He takes him down, like, so well. Like, he flips <laughs> Will Ferrell, you know? And, like, it, it's so good. It's it's a great it's a great scene. You it know is. what I mean? It's because, very funny. Oh, yeah. And, one, it's just... And the reason that the scene plays is because, you know, Will Ferrell is so wonderful at Buddy. 
being so innocent, yeah. you know, just being like this child. And you realize, oh, my God, this guy really, you know, thinks he's in a, a, a real life winter wonderland, you know. I mean, he's raised by Bob Newhart, a.k.a. Uh, Papa Elf. I mean, how good's that? I you know? adore Bob Newhart in this. He's so, like, deadpan, you know, like he always is. And it's just really funny. But he's such a, like, a loving dad. Yes. You know, and he always, always makes Buddy feel like he belongs, even though he clearly doesn't, you know. Because that's the thing with Buddy. He doesn't fit in at the North Pole either. You no. know, he was raised there. He's, you know, taken on a lot of their characteristics because, uh, you know, it's like nature versus nurture. This is like his nurture, but he still doesn't fit in. You know, he doesn't have like the natural ability that the other elves have for making toys. His Etch-A-Sketch numbers, you know. Oh, geez. I think he only made like 85 and he's supposed to make a thousand a day. <laughs> so it's a total bummer. And then we do have a really fun cameo up there where the character, the elf character of Ming Ming is played by Peter Billingsley, who was the kid uh, in Christmas Story. It's, I mean, how they loop all these people in. We have Ray Harryhausen as like a polar cub, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. He's like, a voice of like a, a, a stop motion animation character. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's just like everything that they get in this is just so pitch perfect. Ed Asner is Santa. I mean, you can't ask for more. No, you know, he's like great. he has the weight of Santa. I mean, I'm not just talking like a god. I'm talking like the physical like presence of Santa. We can we have that gravitas with him. You know, we feel like okay, we've got this serious job that we need to move forward with. Unlike Artie Lang, who sits on a throne of lies <laughs> and smells like beef and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's so funny it's so funny i mean all the scenes at gimbals are just so great and then Faison love who plays wanda right yeah the store manager oh my god he's so funny i love it because buddy stays there all night and he you know puts up all these decorations and phase on love thinks that you know they sent in somebody to like gun for his job you know what i mean he's like you see anything you give me a call i love it he's so great <laughs> And he's the one who says the great line there, make, make work your favorite. That's your new favorite. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. And he's like, you know, if you see anybody around, you know, just give me a call on the walkie talkie and, and, and the code word will be Santa's got a brand new bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, so, he's good. Quick fun fact. The reason he's named Wanda is because it was supposed to be Wanda Sykes playing that role. But I guess she had to back out for scheduling reasons. And they changed it to, they recast it with him, but he didn't want to change the name. He wanted to keep it Wanda. I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome, too. I thought it was so great. He was just, he's super funny in this. Um, it, it just all those little parts just make it what it is. You know, in addition to Will Ferrell's, like, killer performance as Buddy. Yeah. I, I mean, top to bottom, a feel-good movie. You feel great after you watch it and and for me like when this movie came out i you know was kind of scrooge like you know with, with some of the christmas movies i had a pole really far <laughs> up the ass if you know what i mean just really really lodged up there it took a, a team of oxen <laughs> to just yank that out you know it was a mess i don't want to get into it but you, you get the idea i was just not ready 
to receive the Christmas spirit and enjoy this. And this is a real gift of a film. You know, John Favreau, I mean, again, you know what I mean? He is everywhere. You know what I mean? He always gives us a good movie. He's a really good filmmaker. Yeah. yeah he's it, excellent. And then he shows up in this too as the doctor and we believe him. <laughs> again, he's just a guy that we believe, you know, yeah. and, and, and he could be anything. I mean, we talked about Four Christmases last year. He was hilarious. He was like that muscle-bound jerk in that with Katie Mixon. I mean, it's fun. And and it's like everyone in this film is having what seems to me a really good time. You know, it's a fun movie. And Daniel Tay, who plays Michael, you know, that's Buddy's half-brother. Oh, my God, he's so good. Yes. He's so good. And then we have, you know, like another story. We have another story of friendship. We have another story of, like, turning to happiness. Because Michael is not very happy. No. You know, and he is not getting the attention from his father. And, you know, Mary Steenburgen, I mean, we'll never say anything bad about her. She's a wonderful woman. She also eats that really vile spaghetti with syrup. Oh, my God. When I see that. ooh. I mean, I have all the sweet teeth in my mouth. I love sweets, but Buddy is too, he goes way too hard even for me (laughs) with like the candy, candy canes, candy corns, and syrup are the food groups. Uh, Yeah, he eats so many sweets. And yeah, I don't really think I would want spaghetti with maple syrup, even though I love maple syrup. I love maple syrup. I love pancakes. It's. I also think this might be something with the Christmas films, because think about Home Alone. Think about Kevin McAllister. Oh, that's true. And he just would load up just this ice cream and all this stuff. And, like, I just got a stomachache watching the kid. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, oh, man, it's just a, it's a lot. It's a lot at once. It's a, and I, you know, I like sugary stuff, but it's, it's an extra mile that I can't go. Yeah. Well, and then Uncle Buck, he makes the giant pancake for th- for them i could get behind that though because it's a pancake <laughs> yeah. i don't know what it pancakes okay with that. <laughs> yeah i'm i'm a weird person yeah, i am indeed <laughs> french toast if you do it right i'll be there i'll show up for that that's funny um i don't want to not mention deb which is amy sedaris oh yes i freaking love amy sedaris so much she's just so funny like strangers with candy jerry blank is one of the most ridiculous and amazing characters of all time ever. I follow Amy Sedaris on Instagram because I just, her sense of humor is perfect. Um, and she's just great as Deb, uh, which is James Conn's secretary. Uh, and she, you know, initially mistakes Buddy for like a Christmas gram, you know, yeah. and is the one who kind of lets him in. But, you know, the poor lady's overworked. Like, James Conn is killing her. (laughs) And she's just doing her best. And still, you know, is a very friendly and nice person. I just thought that was a great part. It kind of reminded me a little bit of Scrooge. Because we had Frank Cross. You know, we had this high-powered New York businessman, right? And then he had his really hard-working secretary, Grace, who was played by Alfred Woodard. Oh, yeah. She was so great. and She was so good. He told her to just get a towel for herself for christmas yes put yourself down for a towel too (laughs) 
that's a great movie. We have to watch that one again too. Oh my god! It's but yeah, it's just like the, these these really great films seem to kind of always you know go around the same pegs, it, and it it is hitting the same beats of the Christmas Carol. It's like the Bob Cratchit, you know, working, 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 and you can't even get by, but you're a good person and and you work at your job. Yeah, and I just I love that about it. I love movies where somebody kind of has lost the Christmas spirit or maybe never had it in the first place and then they you know find their way back to it and of course that's what happens in Elf you know because basically the whole time James Caan thinks that you know Buddy is nuts yeah and yeah it takes actually seeing Santa Claus land in Central Park <laughs> Uh, to to change his mind and make him realize, hey, wait, this this guy's not lying to me this whole time. So <laughs> I just, I love that. It's heartwarming, like you said. That's what I'm looking for in my Christmas movies. So, and I think Elf really, really has that. It does. And again, it's James Caan, such a solid actor, to give us such an honest turn. He turns his back on his boss, played by Michael Lerner. Who's a great actor. Such a great actor. Everything he's in, I love him. So, yeah, he, you know, he tells Michael Lerner, up yours. Yeah. You know, he tells him, up yours, and that's it. And he splits. And you're like, wow, this is the defining moment for this character because he has put his family above his job. And this whole time, it was work and then family. Definitely, yeah. That's been his whole M.O. this entire time. And and this time he finally breaks and says, look, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it pans out because what happens, he starts his own independent publishing company. Yep. Buddy writes a kid's book, which is awesome. Yeah. Because why wouldn't it be? I mean, he's basically just like a six and a half foot tall kid. Yeah. You know, and it's just awesome. It it just shows you like if you follow your heart, good things will come to you. And, you know, I love that message. It may not always work in real life, but that's why I like watching movies because they don't have to be like real life. Well, it's a movie that makes you feel good and it makes you want to be a good person. And that's what I love. I love having a good time. And it, you know, when you watch a movie like Elf, for me, it makes me want to laugh a little bit more. It makes me want to call some people up, you know, hang out, do some hot chocolate. You know, I mean, we live in Los Angeles, but still somehow I have this misguided idea of a fireplace. I don't know what would do with that out here. We could use one right now, actually. It is freaking cold here right now. It is. Well, but we're also like really weak. You know, we we lived in, you know, Massachusetts for so many years and you know when we first came out here it was like you know 40 50 nothing we're outside with shorts we think it's like this balmy summer right yeah and now it's like oh my god if it drops below 70 yeah i mean right now it's in like the 40s 50s which for us is pretty antarctic so (laughs) i'm sorry if you live anywhere else in the world and you have to hear me complaining about how it's like you know, my little tootsies are freezing because it's 50 degrees. (laughs) I'm just a wimp now. I mean, there's nothing else to say. Our apartment does have no insulation, I think, though. So that's, you know, that contributes. But anyway, um, I think that having hot cocoa in a fireplace would work out for me quite well right now. Yeah, it would be great. I also somehow think about a ski lodge. Now, I don't ski, 
but I just like to kind of be at the lodge. I, I, I don't know why, but I just think it's like a good time if you're just at the lodge. You know, when I was a kid, it was like there were skiing lessons down Ward Hill, you know, down at Ward Hill in, in Massachusetts. And, you know, what would happen is I like to just chill in, in the lodge and I would just do the hot chocolate because I would get out there on the slopes and I, I would fall a lot. Like no matter what I did, you know, it's I have fun. You're cold. Oh, and the ice gets everywhere. The snow gets everywhere. And I mean, I have flat feet, you know, so you got like these splayed feet and that's supposed to be great, you know, for going down the hill. No, it's just me falling on my ass like you know you have that little t-bar you could go up i would fall on that i mean like <laughs> i just i don't know skiing just never really happened for me but the lodge the lodge was so good the hot chocolate and you're hanging out then everybody wants you to go back out on the slopes and you're like why don't we just hang out at the lodge <laughs> yeah yeah i just don't like being outside when it's cold so for me i think the lodge is kind of my mo as well we can just sit down have a warm drink watch a christmas movie that's my pick yeah we should just go to a ski lodge and we should just hang out there we'll we'll pretend like we're a skier so we can fit in but we'll just enjoy the lodge you know <laughs> what i mean we'll be like we were out early oh yeah we'll hit the slopes later <laughs> yeah we got some really good powder you know <laughs> It's some really fine powder. It sounds like we're you, drug dealers. You just like the lingo. Oh, you just yeah. want to be somewhere you can use some lingo. I do, I do. <laughs> Lingo's so good. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's funny with Elf because, you know, I knew I wanted to talk about it, but I also knew that it was probably going to be one of these movies where... All I do is say, I really like this movie, and proceed to list the many ways why I like it. And that's okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, with a movie like this, it's like you just want to sit down and watch it. Yeah. You know, it's like in terms of an analysis, like, who cares? <laughs> who wants to know? We have our story. It's just like this perfect fairy tale that we get to watch. And we get to enjoy a really nice love story with Will Ferrell and Zoe Deschanel. I really like that. It, it's really well done. I mean, him showing up in the in the bathroom, she's taking a shower. I, I don't I'm know about I'm not sure all about that. that part. Yeah, me neither. I'm like, oh, I don't know well, about that part. I think but. it's okay just because we know he's like a very innocent person. So there's nothing weird about yeah, it. Yeah. But it still is pretty creepy. So Yeah, like, I, I mean... I don't know, man. Like in the I, workplace too. Hello. Right. Like HR. I, come on, speed dial. Hello. Yeah. No, I I hear you. I I just think about like imagine if you're in the shower yourself and singing because I do that a lot, and then like some unknown voice just starts coming in on the other part. Like, whoa! I would be terrified. This would go from being like a holiday <laughs> comedy to a horror film. Like I would try to make a shower ring into a knife i have no idea how i do that maybe i'd try to crack and put them my between my my fingers like wolverine like i'm ready to protect myself like who is out there you're throwing hands i'm throwing i'm throwing hands yeah 100 percent. you know it's funny because you know my initial concern about the movie was just that you know people didn't really say anything about it they just walked around quoting it but i kind of get it because that's kind of all you want to do yeah there's a lot of funny stuff you just want to be like i like this part i like this part i like this part. <laughs> so i don't know if that makes for a great podcast episode but it does make for a great time it does and it's something that feels so good we wanted to share it yeah exactly 
All right, so now we're going to move on and play you a great little episode that we did with Sarah from Two Chicks Talking Flicks, where we discussed the 2005 Christmas rom-com, Just Friends, which stars Ryan Reynolds and Amy Smart. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Comfort Films Podcast. Uh, For our holiday season, we are doing a few Christmas movies, and we had the great fortune this time to be joined by Sarah from Two Chicks Talking Flicks. She is going to discuss Just Friends with us, which is one of her favorite comfort films, and it also happens to be a Christmas movie. So Sarah, tell us a little bit about your show. So it's me and my co-host April, and um, we review, review a film uh every week and just discuss like all about the film and we try to be funny we try to have a good time and uh that's about it (laughs) all right well we've listened to your show and enjoyed it very much and we thought hey what better thing to do than ask if uh, sarah wants to come and uh, join us and talk about a movie and when we asked you what your favorite comfort films were you gave us a few but one of them was just friends which is uh, the 2005 kind of Christmas rom-com starring a very young Ryan Reynolds (laughs) and Amy Smart. Um, And we hadn't actually watched this one in a long time. I remember loving it when it came out. And then uh, it just didn't make it that much back into our rotation for some reason. But it's a really fun, fun Christmas movie. So I'm so glad that you suggested it. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think the reason I I didn't go back is, I mean... I kind of lived that, you know, I, I was Chris Brander. I mean, I graduated high school in 1995. I went to school in Massachusetts. So I was up in the Northeast. I was a major goober, big time. The clothes that he's wearing, I actually had those clothes, like the striped oh, polos, wow. the whole nine yards, you know. One of them, exactly. Exactly, yeah. yeah. John has photos of, we'll have to pull these out. Yeah, I, I need to get he them He has out. a photo of himself in the striped uh, polo long sleeve thing that Chris wears when he's younger. It's exactly the same shirt. It's crazy. I yeah. swear was huge. And like, <laughs> I was in choir. So it was like, you know, we would always be singing, you know, these these really happy kind of tunes. I mean, this this was my life. I was the guy that, you know, would just be like, hey, I'm a goober, you know? <laughs> yeah. You should go as him for Halloween. That's that would a good idea. Idea. Brander. That All would you be have smart. to do is kind of curl your hair out a little bit more. I know. I mean, I used to have curlier hair. Now it's kind of tamped down. <laughs> well, but yeah. if you let it grow long enough, it'll probably curl up again. Yeah. But that's a really smart idea. That's a fun idea. Absolutely. So what, what is it about Just Friends that makes this one of your favorite comfort films? Well, so I had loved it when it came out. Um, I'm a huge Anna Ferris fan, Amy Smart fan, and uh, Ryan Reynolds. And um, I actually got bit by a spider and uh, was stuck at home. And we had just moved into our apartment. And um, the movie had just been released on HBO. And so I didn't have any of my movies. I didn't have anything. I just had cable. And so um, it was playing on repeat all day, all night for like a week. And I wasn't allowed to go do anything. I had to just keep my foot up. And so I just watched it over and over and over. And um, it 
brought me comfort. That's good. That's I want, great. It's, it's funny because it's like we often pick a movie because we have memories associated with it like that. But that's like a traumatic experience you were going through. <laughs> and this movie kind of helped you bridge over that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I was a chubby king class, so I understand his issues and, you know, it's a fun movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, maybe we can't relate as much as John, but <laughs> I could also relate to Chris because I was, you know, the fat nerdy Friends kid. Of- yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. I lived there. I'm sure you oh, lived I, oh, there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was my home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think Always that... the friend. Oh, yeah. The girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. It, it never really worked out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got lucky because we met each other. So, hey, it worked out in the end. <laughs> I was going to say, it did. It worked we, out for both of you. Because right? we, were, we were in the friend zone. We we're just like, oh, hey. <laughs> you know? We just, yeah, we turned the friend zone into the wedding zone. Yeah. You know? Oh, it worked for us. But yeah. Uh, and of course, you know, it works for Chris sort of in the end. Um, yeah. After he finally figures out, you know, that he doesn't need to be putting things on to make himself seem impressive. You know, and that's one of the things I really like about the movie is that, you know, it's hilarious. This is one of the funniest mm-hmm. Christmas movies, I think, because mm-hmm. Ryan Reynolds is just funny anyway. Like, mm-hmm. he's yeah. never kind of not funny. And if you like his kind of shtick, then you're going to like this movie because... He's doing that thing that he does with, mm-hmm. you know, the quick talking, kind of Chevy Chase esque kind of act yeah. that he does with like Bill Murray overtones. Yeah, a little Bill Murray sprinkle. Um, we really noticed that in this, I think, more than uh, maybe even some of Ryan Reynolds's later work that he's really pulling that Chevy Chase, Bill Murray kind of quick talking, sarcastic attitude the one that he's the most like that though is in um national lampoon's van wilder oh yeah he's so chevy chase bill murray uh himself like that's the most himself i've ever seen him in a i mean maybe that's not how he is but that's how he exudes his energy and uh this movie is very similar to that yeah i see that and i follow yeah i follow ryan rollins on instagram now and he still has, like, that persona that's, you know, really funny. I mean, listen, these are the things that made him perfect for, like, Deadpool, Oh yeah. obviously. He was, like, made for that role because he oh, has yeah. just the right uh, attitude. He wasn't even acting. He was just being himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, for me, growing up, it was like my dad always would watch Caddyshack, and I would watch it with him, and we loved it. And, you know, we had Chevy Chase and Bill Murray in that, and then they had that great scene together. So it's like, you know, watching him in this, it's just like one of the funniest scenes in a movie I've ever seen. And it reminds me, you know, the time I would spend with my dad watching these movies. I don't know. To see someone that takes like two of your comedy heroes and, you know, becomes one being, you know, like a Voltron or Power Rangers. You're like, all right, you know? Yeah. Well, and Ryan Reynolds is kind of from our generation. He's like, I think, six months older than you or something. And. Uh, so he probably grew up on the same kind of stuff that we did. Yeah. So I think that his sense of humor is very similar and his cultural touchstones are similar, you know. So I, I think that he translates that really well into like the modern time. Yeah, yeah. I agree. 
I agree. Well, I mean, Anna Ferris kind of steals the show. You know, I mean, that's I, I, as much as I like so many people in this. I mean, Anna Ferris is just killing it. The forgiveness song, <laughs> you know, I I <laughs> I will sing the forgiveness song forever. Yeah. You know, she really just took something here. And it, the character is so strong that I would have loved to have seen this character in another movie or in a television series. Like, I want to know more. Yeah. I want to know more. At least yes. a sketch or something. Yeah, she's something. She's phenomenal in this. I love her with the brother. Oh, I think yeah. they're hilarious. Um, just everything she says is, is so funny to me. She really thought about the character and kind of went for... Uh, a certain thing with it where I, I read in the trivia that she drank Red Bulls before every take. <laughs> oh yeah. And I think that that really worked because she kind of has like this crazy simmering energy below the surface, like regardless of what situation they're in. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's just so chaotic and random and you cannot uh, anticipate what she's going to do next, which is really fun because <laughs> You know, Ryan Reynolds' character, Chris, is kind of already having trouble. And then you throw this person who's just like a wet cat or something <laughs> into the mix. And she's just like, you know, causing all this trouble. And I think maybe my favorite scene just for funniness is when he first takes her into the Maple Tavern. And he meets his friends, uh, Clark and Darla. <laughs> And I, I just think it's so funny because she's such a fish out of water, uh, Samantha, in the scene. She's like, oh, plastic menus. <laughs> you know, she doesn't like this is not her lifestyle. She doesn't get it. Yeah. And she's also so annoyed that she's being ignored that she just starts acting out like super hard. And then it's also super funny to me when he finally introduces her to Clark and Darla and she goes to the bathroom and she kisses them. Like, she kisses Clark, but then she, like, almost full-on makes out with Darla, which is hilariously called back later when she's, like, you know, saying that it's okay if Ryan Reynolds doesn't just want to be with her. She likes girls. Darla! <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird that he's kind of the straight man in this world of crazy people like i love his mom yeah julie so Haggerty. yeah much so much just everything she says she's like come on mikey and i are making snow angels and just like just be yourself her song i sing that if it's not at least once a month i'd be shocked because i love her so much she's she's so great in this and her voice is just funny and she's kind of just so spacey, but everything that she does comes from a place of love for her kids, you know, and, yeah. and trying to make their home nice. And um, just even her sweaters that she wears with the crazy <laughs> Christmas sweater look is so funny to me. I love it. Well, she was so good in Airplane. And it's like, in my memory, I'm sure she had other movies, TV between, you know, Airplane and this. But in my mind, I was like, geez, I just don't remember. And it's like, it's so good to have her back because she is so funny. She's very funny. No one else could have done so it like this. You know, mm -hmm. it, it just, it was a great dynamic that they had with 
you know, the Brander family. Because, yes, the brothers, I totally bought that they were brothers, oh, yeah. you know. They, they, you know, I have uh, twin brothers, and the dynamic that the two of them have really mirrors kind of what we see in the film. You know what I mean? Like, I love yeah. the fact that they'll be, like, just pounding each other, saying horrible things to each other, and then it'll be like, I love Truth. you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Here's a cookie. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's so funny. It's, I mean, it's great to to have it. it it's great to have it. Um, it makes it very real. Yeah, I mean, that, I think yeah. that's yeah. The relationships in this movie all seem very real, like the family relationships and also the friendships. Because, mm. um, we were talking about the guy that plays Clark. We love this guy. <sighs> we're like, well, he should yes. be in everything. Um, he kind of has like a, a kind of a Mark Ruffalo feel to him. Like sure. he kind of sounds like him. And I'm like, why did this guy not get a lot more jobs? Because he's so great. And we just love him as, like, the sidekick. And it's super cute that, like, you know, Clark and Darla were together in high school. And then they're married and everything. So they have kind of, like... TJ! Yeah, <laughs> TJ. TJ. They have more of, like, a, a, you know, classic relationship of high school sweethearts. You know, made good. And you have your... You know, stereotype of the jock who peaked in high school, mm. um, like Tim, who's <laughs> such a mess <laughs> 10 years later. <laughs> the bus Yeah, sucks. now he's become more Chris <laughs> Yeah, from yeah. high school. Well, it's funny because, uh, you know, they're making fun of Chris for being fat. And I was like, Tim doesn't look like exactly svelte himself back no. in high school. Um, but football players can get away with it a little bit more, I guess. Yeah. Like, the character of Jamie, um, Jamie Palomino, like, she seemed kind of equal opportunity with the different guys that she would talk to or whatever, but Chris was, like, her friend because there wasn't anything there, or that, you know, even if she was attracted to him in some way, it didn't have to be, like, the primary thing about their relationship, mm -hmm. so I think that's why she was kind of close to him. Because the poor girl, like, from that first scene, you know, at the graduation party or whatever it is, where, <laughs> you know, she's just trying to get some time alone and she can't stop being, you know, uh, attacked Founded. by guys. You know, Tim comes in and then Dusty Dinkelman <laughs> comes Dinkelman. Oh, Dusty. <laughs> I mean, Dusty is a really special Sorry. kind of character. Because he's so slimy that it's, like, unbelievable. But at the same time, Chris Klein does it, like, so real that you're just, like, grossed out by this guy all the time. Yeah, he's Jersey. He skis in his jeans. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a great line. So great. I, I also quote that. I quote this movie so much <laughs> it's so great and you know what's funny i've seen this movie a gazillion times and i think it took until like maybe my third or fourth watch to realize that his friend that he talks to that we meet at the hockey rink was not clark i saw him and he's very similar they're very kind of short compared to him very you know small little guys and like, I don't think I computed that it was not the same person for a while until, you know, you see him at the bar and then you're like, oh, that is a different person. But it seems like the same person. It's like that he just shops for the same kind of friend no matter where <laughs> yeah. he is. Right? 
That's funny. Yeah. I, I mean, with Dusty, what, what gets me is that, like, he is like a, a Disney villain. He is this massive, massive villain because he has these really hard turns, you know, from his fake of being the sweet guy to, you know, just like rubbing his hands together and his eyes burning red, you know, and then he's flicking out his tongue. I mean, it, it's it's amazing. It's amazing to see this because, you know, once again, I've known people in my life that they had, you know, a, a similar shtick with the guitar and with the song. And, you know, I never really knew this person past the time that they couldn't play the song. But it's like to see this evolution, you know, to this full-blown monster, I love it. I think that is like, you know, the biggest thing for me is that like it fills in the gap with like this, you know, kind of person I have in my head that I knew. And you sometimes wonder, hey, what happened? Well, they turn into a Disney monster. <laughs> Disney film. That's a really good point. I love thinking about him as like a Gaston or something like that because yeah. he does have mm -hmm. like that energy. Um, and, you know, yeah, he's so predatory, right, yeah. with Jamie and kind of like honest about it when it turns into like, you know, she's not in the picture and he's just talking to Chris. He doesn't care if Chris knows. He thinks Chris is on the same game. Yeah. You know, he thinks yeah. they're both doing that. What's weird is that we don't get the sense that Dusty and Jamie were friends, though. No. So when mm. he's like, she put us in the friend zone. Uh, did she? Because, like, I don't even think she put Chris in the friend zone. I think she didn't think of him in that way at all because he didn't exude himself in that way. She just thought they were friends. And I kind of would have thought he was gay. If he was my friend in high school, I'd be like, oh, well, he's probably gay. So, and not, not a dating option. I think that's a pretty good point. Like, I mean, you know, what she even says to him when she kind of turns him down at the beginning is, I love you as a brother. And mm -hmm. so it's just, that's always how she's thought of him. And it doesn't necessarily mean that's always how she's going to think of him. But, of course, like, that's what triggers him to change his life, you know. Yeah. Um, he runs away. He's like, I got to reinvent myself. And I think that's a really real idea, um, especially for people who have been bullied or, you know, well, I had this situation, you know, where I felt, like, uncool, you know. And I was like, well, when I go to college, I'm going to be cool. <laughs> you know, you think you can really turn yourself around. Or when you introduce yourself into another situation, you're just going to be you know, a completely different person. But in this case, he actually kind of succeeds in that, you know, and all those things that were probably in him the whole time, but he was just afraid to express are still there. Like, I don't think Chris Brander is a hundred percent different person from teenager to grown to grown man. It's just like, he looks different. His situation is different. But the person that he is is still there. And that's what he needs to successfully convince Jamie of by the end of the movie to resolve the situation. Speaking of that, um, I, I had a theory um, about Chris. So do we think that maybe he never lost weight and then this is just him like thinking about what life could have been like oh. if hmm. he had lost weight? Because when he talks, sometimes people don't hear him. Like, he'll say something in front of their faces, and they don't react. So it's kind of like, 
is he just thinking about this? And like, you know, cause he's super successful. He's good looking. He gets all the girls. That's everything that big Chris would have wanted. So I was just like, I wonder if maybe this is like his alternate universe or like the reverse of it's a wonderful life. Wow. That's interesting. Uh, I think that would be like a crazy fantasy movie to do. And I hope like somebody actually does do that like more explicitly because it would be really cool. Um, But yeah, that's an interesting way to think about it. I mean, I don't think that's exactly what they're going for in this, but I think that it makes so much sense to think about it that way because when, you know, you are unhappy with yourself, you do fantasize about what would be different if you could change the things that you hate about yourself. Sure. And yeah, I mean, that's definitely something that I can see him doing, you know, in his head the entire 10 years, you know, between the beginning and when it picks back up in 2005. You know, I'm sure that Chris went through many times of envisioning what it would be like to run into Jamie again Mm -hmm. and like that's why he's so pissed when you know he blows it and I just that that scene where he's in the Porsche just like slamming his hands on the (laughs) dashboard and completely freaking out because he blew it so hard Um, because think about how many times he's like fantasized this date with Jamie happening and it happens and it's total crap yeah and I wonder like I kind of feel like that must have been a really hard scene for them to shoot because you can see her breaking. And I'm like, I wonder if they had no good takes and that was like the best (laughs) of the takes because she is really, really trying not to lose it. (laughs) And uh, it cracks me up that part. And when they're laughing in the car uh, and she's like, I think I peed my pants. Like, I feel like that's a genuine reaction. (laughs) I think you're right. I do think you're right. I was watching that scene, you know, and I saw her in the background and he's like just going crazy, like just, ah, you know, and I saw her face like kind of change, like she was trying really hard to stifle a laugh and it kind of, <laughs> it was really funny because I don't know how you would do that either because Ryan Reynolds is hilarious and yeah. in that scene, he's like so over the top. <laughs> <laughs> so funny yeah he's great i mean i've really enjoyed this evolution that we've had of ryan reynolds and we went from like the van wilder quick talking funny guy and then we kind of moved into more of like you know the romantic lead and then we've kind of like come into the action hero right and and then Mm -hmm. we got superhero i mean now it's like he can go anywhere on the board because he's covered it all I, I don't know. Ryan Reynolds is somebody that I'm really glad that we have so many movies with him because I agree with you in terms of like, you know, if, if you want to watch something for comfort, you want to watch something sometimes that's fast, that's funny, mm-hmm. it's solid. And Ryan Reynolds has a real confidence in his comedy, which takes it that extra mile, you know, because he knows what he's doing is good. And like, you know, what he's doing is good. And it's like, it's almost like he's getting the energy from a live audience when he's, you know, just performing in a studio a lot, or there's just a camera and there's, you know, no one near him. You know what I mean? Everybody is like busy doing their own job. I mean, this is a really talented, talented person. Yeah. 
I did think it was really funny to watch this because I think of anything after like 2000 as like a modern kind of movie. I do too. But I do too. I'm, I'm old. Just old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we were watching this. It felt like so much older to me, even though it's like what? So it's like what? 17? Yes. So it's 05. The, the fashions that people were wearing back then <laughs> are so like cringe and yeah. some like they everybody has on those low rise jeans mm. and yeah. I just felt like they were just gonna have to pull their jeans up all the time. And with like the flared bottom, like Ryan Reynolds keeps wearing like low rise jeans with like the flared bottom, like a boot cut, and it just made me laugh. I used to do that. Yeah. I love those jeans. And at another point Jamie has like the low rise jeans with like a sweater that doesn't go all the way down. And it's like yeah. one degree. Like they're they filmed this in Canada and everybody looks freezing all the time. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, her poor lower back that's exposed. <laughs> I could feel that with temperatures on people too. Like if you can never see someone's breath, you know, you could just kind of look deep into their eyes and you can see, I'm hungry, I'm cold, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's in there, you know, it's like it's funny how you can get a sixth sense, you know, when you're watching just these moving images that happened a long time ago. I I don't know. I I mean, this has nothing to do with temperature, but I want to make sure I mention it because it makes me laugh. When Anna Ferris pulls away from the Palomino house and takes all the Christmas lights. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love that. I love that. And her dad... The Palomino dad is such a jerk. Yeah. And then he gets that like reindeer in the crotch. <laughs> and then he has like a little bag of ice on his crotch later when he answers the door. That's I had funny. not caught that before. That's funny. Yeah. No, I love it. I mean, all the pandemonium of it. I mean, it kind of calls back in a way to Christmas vacation where you have mm, all yeah. the shenanigans with the lights. Right. And I, I love that. And again, it's like, oh, my God, Ryan Reynolds, Chevy Chase, Chase, holiday movie. What? <laughs> it's smart. It is. People know what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, it's they got a really good crew of, of people here together. And and that jock, I can't remember his name. The, the jock. Tim. Tim. Okay. Tim the jock. I mean, again, knew this guy, knew this guy. And I've actually seen him on the other side. They nailed it both ways. And. I mean, <laughs> when he is just like talking about how the bus sucks, you know, it's that just scene like, is very funny. Oh, man. When Tim and uh, Chris are both hammered yeah. and they're like waiting at the bus stop. It's a good scene. Oh, it's great. It's like they're finally kind of connecting. I mean, I really think Tim is a hilarious character because like he's such a but at the beginning of the movie oh it's horrible and then when he comes back he's like such a loser and he kind of like worships chris now because he saw him on tv mm -hmm. and uh the way that they have his head shaved into like looking like he's bald is kind of hilarious it's great well it also reminds me of the the jock character from gross point blank a little bit mm, they even that. look similar yeah they do yeah the guy that reads the poem to john cusack i love that by force yeah um well that's another movie about going back to you know yeah. your your high school hometown i mean we've actually done romeo and michelle's high school reunion also <laughs> right before, and it's another movie about people who thought they were you know geeks in high school and then they go back 10 years later trying to be cool 
and it doesn't really work either. <laughs> I mean, I think that's kind of a theme here um, that you're going to have in these types of movies um, that, you know, even if you've moved on and changed and your life is totally different, when you go back to this place that you once belonged, everybody treats you like you're exactly the same, regardless of what you've done. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, everybody still refers to him as a chubby bunny. Right. Or, you know, brings up his weight or how much of a loser he was. It's just like, goodness, do you not see what he looks like now? And then they, you know, and then he kind of ends up behaving in the way that he's expected to. Mm -hmm. um, even if that's not, you know, how he normally would act now. And I kind of felt kind of bad when he was in the restaurant with Jamie. And they served yeah. him the pancakes, and she was like, don't be rude. And it's like, this person was rude first. You know, Absolutely. it was rude of them to assume what he wanted. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think that was kind of crappy of super... Jamie, really. Well, she's not that nice. I mean, that scene in the restaurant is really terrible because, you know, I've dieted before, I've exercised before. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of commitment. And do I still want to eat a pile of sugar? You bet I do, but I, I choose not to. And sometimes that choice is hard. But then someone just like forcing that food on you. And then the person that, you know, you you, you love, right, is just like, what's your problem? I didn't, I, I was like, wow, I, I think I would have split. Like, <laughs> I think I would have split, you know? I, it, it's That's the weird thing about this is like, you know, coming back to it now, I understand that, you know, she is Chris's high school love, but she kind of is a jerk a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, when he's injured, and yes, it is because he's trying to show off. Yeah, and <laughs> at he the blows hockey game. It. Yeah, um, and he's trying to show off, but he has crappy skates, and you know, he's getting his butt kicked by these children, basically. <laughs> I love that. And then he just finally gives up. Just rains down hell on the kids' hockey game, and then karmically gets instantly paid back by getting hit in the face with a hockey puck. Um, but then, you know, Dusty ends up being the paramedic who shows up to take care of him, and she's like flirting with Dusty over, mm -hmm. you know, his body in the ambulance, right? And you know, giving Dusty her number and stuff like that, and it kind of isn't a good look for her, like. She is a bit shallow and kind of, I don't know, caught up in herself a little bit too much. So I really think that we need to see growth from her as well by the end of the movie for them to, for us to be satisfied with them getting together. And we do see the growth. Yeah, no, I mean, we get there, but I mean, there are, there are a lot of uh, bumps along the road, which aren't necessarily the ones that, that I would have expected. Um, and I think, you know, I guess that that's the maturity because both of them are still acting like they're in high school. You know, they still have that mentality. And I mean, that's where their, their, you know, the relationship, the friendship was born. And, you know, she, at the very beginning of the film at the party, you know, I mean, she wasn't committed to Chris. She could, she could be with whoever, so it's just it's an extension of of that of that relationship, you know. I mean, where it gets interesting for me 
and this is where I'm like really on her team is when she says to Chris, you know, you're just mad at me because I wouldn't screw you in high school. Is, is that it? And then you're like, is the audience member you're like, oh, my God, is that it? So, you know, they, they both have, you know, some unresolved issues. Yeah. But we do get to that happy relationship at the end, which is great because I always want to see people get together. I'm sure everybody does. And it's a holiday movie. So it's like, you know, there's a double expectation of that. Yeah, because when they're just being friends, just generally being friends, they have a really good connection. Like when they're in the car and they're playing the music and laughing or when they're in his room and they're looking at old stuff, you know, they have a good connection. It's when they're trying to be other people or trying to, I don't know what to say, but like that's when they get in their own way. Yeah. And uh, they aren't connecting. Like she's not being honest and he's not being himself. That's yeah. No, I, I think that's it. I mean, it's, and he's always overthinking every move. Like the, the scene you talked about in the Porsche, which is, is hilarious. And also I, I feel accurate. That is totally something that would happen to me. <laughs> totally. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, uh, I think I could see myself doing that too. Like, and you know, Chris still has like some unresolved self-esteem issues clearly mm -hmm. I mean, I think, you know, if you had self-esteem issues growing up, you almost can never, like, fully shake that, I feel. Um, it's always going to creep back up on you. And that does happen to him here, where, you know, he does feel good about himself in L.A. Um, he is confident. He's good at his job. I mean, we haven't talked about that yet too much. But he's very good at his job. This is why, you know, his boss, who is the amazing Stephen Root, um kind of wants him to go get samantha james because he he trusts that he can do this you know yeah. um but then as soon as he's back in a different situation where he doesn't feel confident it just gets worse and worse and worse and it like compounds so he is overthinking everything and he's trying to create an image rather than just being himself because he doesn't want to be himself he doesn't like who himself is um, and so it's really difficult, I think, for him in a lot of these situations. I think the biggest one that they dramatize is the night that Jamie is trying to get him to sleep with her. And he's right there, you know, and he's like, oh, this is actually happening. But then he has to second guess himself. And again, it wasn't the right time anyway. Like, neither of them were really ready for that. So it's a good thing that it didn't work out. But... It just shows you how, you know, his self-esteem is like crippling to him because he can't even believe yeah. that he's in that situation at that point. Well, they, he doesn't even go home. That That's in the, the story is the mother says, you know, he always flies us out to L.A. And it's because, you know, he doesn't want to come back for any reason. He, he doesn't want this life anymore. And I think the script is brilliant in the way that they work in you know, the plane having to land in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. Because it's right in line. It's right in line with our hero, Anna Ferris. you know, <laughs> yeah. to put something with aluminum foil in the microwave, you know, just set the plane on fire. They have to land. And I love her response. They're like, why did you put that in there? 
I'm the talent. I don't need to worry about that. <laughs> it was microwavable. Yeah. <laughs> but the aluminum foil inside it wasn't. I'm not supposed to think about that. I'm the talent. I just love how she's like, Ashton? Ashton? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, like, um, growing up, I was always uh, bigger than all the other girls. But that doesn't give me like PTSD or anxiety. But if I wear pants that are too short, I'm right back to where people used to make fun of me for wearing high waters or flooding pants and I can't do it. Like people will be like, no, those look fine. I'm like, no, nope, nope. I can't wear them. Can't do this. And I, that that's like, a tricker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we, so. I feel Chris. That's, I think we all have something like that. Like for me, I, you know, I grew up in Mississippi and like it's kind of like either people are like normal size there or they're overweight. Um, and I just happen to be like the only person in my immediate family who is significantly overweight. So everybody would always look at me like, you know, how'd you end up like that? You know, because <laughs> I've, two sisters who never you know didn't hit 100 pounds until they were in their 30s or something and my mom is really small too so could you just punch them (laughs) i would love to um for many reasons actually but you know that's definitely one and (laughs) you know sibling relationships as we see in just friends contentious oh yeah um but you know, I love my sisters. But yeah, it always did drive me crazy that they were like skinny minis over here, and I was like, you know, two of them fused together. I'm like, that's not fair. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I kind of feel as I feel like I can super relate to Chris because of that. Because his mom and his brother, they don't have to worry about this, you know. And uh, you know, it seemed like there weren't really a lot of other overweight people that he was friends with, but you know, he just happened to be overweight and he was able to change that up when he got older. But I think the minute he walks back into his old home and sees this picture wall, the Chris and Jamie picture wall, and sees all these pictures of himself when he was a lot heavier, he just instantly feels like he's that guy again. And everything that he does is based on that inner feeling that he can't shake that he's not worthwhile because he was this fat kid. Um, And And he probably does kind of feel like that person all the time, even though in the mirror, he may not see himself as that fat person, but you know, that's why he's so overly confident because inside he still feels like that Chris. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And he's always just trying to prove that he's not. Even in L.A., you know, trying to prove to himself there. And then when he gets back home, he's trying to prove it to everyone else. Well, and that's his relationship with women. That's why he wants to sleep with every single person that he meets is that he wants love. He wants acceptance. And he wants to know that now he's part of, you know, quote, the normal world, you know, because he has that. He, he feels like it's a numbers game where he has to make up for lost time. And if he can get enough people that you know, stamp that they think he's cool or attractive, that that's going to somehow help, you know, his old hurt. But yeah, it doesn't seem to. Yeah. And as much of a scumbag as Dusty Dinkelman is at the end, you know, when he's hitting on Janice and then turning around trying to hit on Jamie too with the same terrible song. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's, you know, kind of what Chris was acting like too. Like at the beginning, 
with Athena and then he immediately, you know, this girl breaks up with him and he turns around and starts, you know, hitting on the girl to his left successfully. You know, he's smoother than Dusty, but they're doing the same kind of deal. They're just trying to get whoever they can get to fill up an empty space inside themselves. Well, and with Dusty, it's something where he, it's just, yeah, he wants to have hate sex. He wants to feel like he's in control. And when you think about the fact that, that Dusty and Chris aren't that different is very shocking. Again, this movie, you know, it, it's a great holiday movie. You get like this this love story. You get a lot of laughs, but then it hits you with like this truth. And, and mm-hmm. when, you know, Chris Klein says, hey, you know, I, I see what you're doing. I think it's great. You know, and it's just like, what, what? And then it's like, oh, my God, he he is right. He is, he is right. right to some extent. I mean, yeah. Dusty has turned it up. I think it was a really good point, Sarah, that you made earlier about Dusty saying that he and Chris were in the friend zone, because I agree with you. I think that Dusty is kind of pushing himself up mm. in that. Like, he wasn't a close friend to Jamie. Like, Chris and Jamie were friends, like legitimately yeah. best friends. She made a t-shirt with them on it, you know, because she loves him. As he, he was her best friend. She doesn't have a t-shirt yeah. with Dusty, you know. No. So, you know, Dusty, I think, was, like, overestimating how important he was to Jamie. And also, I wonder if maybe uh, Chris thought he could do the things he do does in California with Jamie when he first meets her. Because he thinks she just works at the Maple mm. and that she is not um, in his same level, his same league, because he just sees her like, oh, look, she's the prom queen. And now this is all she's gotten to is a bartender at the local bar. Yeah. And, you know, he didn't really know her. He didn't know what she was doing and becoming a teacher and all that. So he just saw, oh, well, she's like below me now let me see if i can get with her and use my normal tricks yeah i I think that's definitely there i mean because it's from because the movie is kind of from his point of view and he's kind of our hero i think it's easier for us to kind of look over that a little bit but he is kind of yeah i do think there is an element of him looking down on her and she feels like, I mean, her self-esteem has taken a hit at the beginning of this. Like, this is a girl who was super confident in high school because she could get anyone she wanted or didn't have to be with anyone if she didn't want to or whatever. But, you know, when she sees Chris, she's, like, hiding behind the bar because she's kind of terrified of him seeing what her life has turned into. Yeah. You know, and, you know, he's never, he hasn't talked to her. He kind of ran off. And she doesn't understand, I think, why he did that i don't think she i think she kind of felt abandoned by him although you know she should have figured why well and also um have you never bought a plane ticket like you know where he lives you are friends with his mom you know where she stays you couldn't have just been like hey where did chris go Mm. yeah let me go see him let me see what's going on yeah. So you can't be mad at him for running away if you didn't even try to stop him. Yeah, and I mean, she had to have known where he was going to go to college. I mean, they had to have had these conversations. So I just don't, yeah. you know, 
I don't know. I that that is a really good point. Like it's a great point. Yeah, he didn't run after her, but she didn't run after him either. So, what does that what does that teach him? You know, yeah. That that probably tells a very low self esteem Chris that she never really cared for him that much to begin with, but she's always in his head like the person who he's measuring everyone else against. So it's like he feels like he he has to give it a shot since he's there. It's like unfinished business for him, kind of. Um, but, you know, the fact is, unlike Dusty, Chris and Jamie do have a really deep friendship. And that is something that, you know, they could build a, a romantic relationship off of. Um, Dusty mm-hmm. didn't have that connection with her. Well, when we have, you know, the scene at the party where Tim takes the wrong yearbook and then starts reading what Chris had written. And it's like the height of humiliation. This is like, I would say his biggest, you know, horrible nightmare moment that he still thinks about. And then he also has, you know, the girl that, that he loves saying, I'm not really feeling it that way. You know, um, I, I kind of feel like in that moment, you know, it's funny. I mean, he quotes Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> Thunder Road, right? Yeah. You know? So when he's riding away on his bike. Yes. Says, this is a town full of losers, and I'm pulling out to win. <laughs> and it's it's funny, but at the same time, I kind of feel like that's him telling off everyone there and saying, you know what? I'm turning, I'm turning the page in my life. And, like, I don't want to know any of you anymore. I don't want to talk to you anymore. This has been horrible for me. And like, you know, four years have built up to like this moment that I thought was going to be the best moment of my life. And it's actually the complete opposite. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Yeah. He will never like live down. And like people from uh, 95, like 96 on won't have won't be able to have the same storyline as this so like in 2005 we had the introduction of facebook right so essentially you could run away disappear and no one sees you until maybe your high school reunion well now with facebook instagram twitter all that you can't have this like unless you just never post a photo of yourself people will see like if you've lost weight if you've gained weight um and it it's uh, my uh, 15 year high school reunion was kind of boring because I've seen all these people <laughs> and I see that they have kids. I see that, you know, what's going on in their lives. I know what they're doing, where they went to school, where they're living now. And it was, I, you know, we didn't have like a Chris just, just walked in and was all skinny and svelte and we never knew before, you know? So it's kind of, it's not fair. <laughs> technology has ruined surprises and reunions like that that's a really great point Excellent. i you know I, I i think that's another way in which you know this movie does seem older to me now because yes people have cell phones and stuff but it's like the older ones you know it's not like yeah. social media is driving everything that they're doing in their lives um but yeah like i i i graduated in 96 and yeah around the time that facebook kind of started being a thing more for you know non 20 somethings you know I pretty much ended up connecting to people I haven't talked to since I left home because I 
moved away right after high school and never came back. So at this point in life, I've lived in Mississippi and not in Mississippi for the same amount of years. Um, And even the last four years I was in Mississippi, I was in college and I didn't really go back home that much. Um, So, you know, there were a lot of people that I had not seen. In fact, a girl that I was like best friends with in fifth grade, I hadn't seen since I graduated and she was in LA a couple weeks ago and we saw each other for the first time in like, I don't know, 26 years. So it was really crazy. But of course we talked to each other on Facebook. Like there was no surprise about what we looked like or anything like that. But you know, it, it is kind of a different world post social media. I mean, it change it does change everything. Yeah, because now I've been in Texas longer than I lived in in Nebraska. That's where I grew up. That's where I went to school. And immediately after I graduated, we all moved here to Texas. And so uh, until like, I don't know, four years later, then there was Facebook. And you could kind of, you know, find people that you hadn't seen in a while. So Clark and Darla were best friends with him. And... They didn't even like go look for him. They never came to visit him. They never asked questions. They're just like, whatever. I guess we won't see that guy again. Yeah. I mean, that's just very strange. Like, but at the time, like, I guess I get it because I remember um, going back to see my mom on a weekend or something when I was in college. It's like my senior year. And I saw somebody that I'd gone to high school with at the grocery store. And I was just like, whoa, because I have no idea what they're even doing. And I'm from a very small town. Like, everybody knew what everybody was doing at all times. But unless, you know, I have a mole there to tell me what's going on, I don't know. Although now I do, because in the last six years or so, my mom took a job teaching at my old high school. So now I know what's going on (laughs) with everybody all the time. Um, But for many years, I had no clue uh, what was going on. And, you know... I don't know if I miss that or not. Like, it's nice to be able to see people and talk to people and, you know, know what's going on. But at the same time, like, social media kind of takes over everything. And you don't have a real connection. Like, the connection you have online is not the same as the connection that you could have in person. Yeah. What I find funny is, you know, when I, you know, friends I had, like, great friends, we would, you know, like people from high school, when high school ended, that was the end, you know, and it wasn't like it was a bad ending, but we all knew that was the end. And so it was like, I could see you five years later, 10 years later, talk to you, hang out with you. And we're still at this same level of friendship. And so for me, it's, it's been a difficult transition because I'm not a person that will always jump online and be talking to everyone. And that's not because I don't want to talk to people. It's just because that's not kind of how it was, you know, when, when I was growing up, when I was going through, you know, high school and college, it, it's like it was there. And, and, you know, you might get a phone call like two years later being like, hey, it's Bill. You want to go to the bar? Sure. And it was awesome. But now I feel like since it's so easy to, to stay in touch with people, for me at least a lot of the time, the, the, the connection isn't as great. It isn't like you have that amazing memory 
of the time you stayed up all night, went to the 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. Star Wars showing and mm-hmm. went to the diner. That isn't like your last memory. Yeah. You, you know, your last memory is like. That they posted an article about how to make uh, chocolate chip cookies last week or something. Exactly. <laughs> it, it's it's weird because I don't know. It, it's just it's a strange thing. And, you know, I know I'm older. I'm 45. So it's like a different, different situation. But for me, I, I liked it better the other way because I felt like, I don't know. It like, allowed you to miss people. It allowed maybe? me to miss people. And also my memories were like, you know, printed on golden scrolls in my mind that I would just go back to. and be like, <laughs> oh, do you remember that time? That was incredible. Instead of the chocolate chip recipe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think you can argue against Just Friends being a Christmas movie. No. And it goes True. into New Year's also, right? Because I think at the mm-hmm. end when he kind of, or at that scene where he kind of busts in and uh, is confronting Dinkleman. I think everybody has their New Year's hats on and Dinkleman. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Dinkleman is always going to be like one of the best villains, but <clears throat> yeah so this goes through the holiday season and um it it feels christmas because it has that going back home for christmas mm-hmm. energy to it mm-hmm. and also everything comes out good in the end and you know uh after uh chris goes back to la you know and <laughs> that scene is hilarious again uh he goes into his house and he's you know unhappy he gets out of the cab and tosses a suitcase off the hill, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> um, he's had that; he's been dragging that suitcase around so much it's really beat up, and then he just gives up. And then he goes into his house and he's just kind of just going to crash out. And of course, uh, Samantha is there making cookies, and they scare the crap out of each other, <laughs> you know. And she's like, you know, thinks that they're in a couple still, like. Somehow she still manages to convince herself of this and plays him the new version of forgiveness. Great version. (laughs) (laughs) I thought he was actually going to smash her guitar. I did too. When I watched it. Like even as we watched it again last night. So I've seen this like several times at this point recently. And I still think every time that he's just going to smash her guitar because he can't deal with it anymore. um, Because her song is so terrible. Oh, I was going to say, does anybody else want to hear her with Bono? Oh, like, yeah. Yes. I thought that was a missed opportunity oh. to, like, at the end of the credits, have a video with her and Bono singing <laughs> Forgiveness. <laughs> that would be so great. Maybe they couldn't afford Bono, but, like, I felt like he should have just done it for free because that would have been so hilarious. I wanted it, too. They had Alanis Morissette. They cut out her part, but, you know, if they could get her... Granted, she was dating Ryan Reynolds at the time. But true. They could have released that song. I would have paid for that song. Yeah, you would have bought, bought the that. single. Oh, yeah. I actually have a, a quite a few songs from this movie uh, in my collection. The soundtrack so I, I is good. It's so good. Yeah. Back Wayne. Yes. Yes. That's the song I love. It's so good. And it, it fits in so perfectly when he's just going through those old pictures you know, that's another mm-hmm. thing. We never really go through stacks of photos anymore. Super true. I miss that. I do miss that. I miss having, like, hard copy photos. And you have that nostalgia, like, you're seeing the guy look at the photos. Mm-hmm. And, and there is something about, like, just hanging out in a person's bedroom that seems so high school. You know, like, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know what it is. Like, 
my my friend Bridget from high school, we always like we hung out with each other all the time and we were friends and we were very happy as friends and we're still great friends, but we would just like hang out all the time and would be in each other's room, like listening to music, smoking cigarettes <laughs> and, uh, you know, looking at, uh, you know, pictures, books, whatever. And it, it's just like, I was like, wow. And that song Hackensack just hits that nostalgia vibe so hard, so perfectly that it like really brought up all of these memories for me of high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The people who wrote this and, and directed it clearly had kind of our similar experience. Yeah. Um, with high school and, and just knowing like what it was like to be in high school in like the pre social media kind of era you know when you were just hanging out for like hours talking or just you know looking at stuff like you said yeah i mean i used to talk to my friends for hours and now i'm just like how did i do that like i don't talk (laughs) to anyone for that i talk to you for that long now but like i used to go to school all day and then come home and maybe i had to work for a couple hours then i would come home and i would call my friend and just be on the phone for like three more hours like we hung out together all day and then we talked to each other on the phone for like three hours at night. Like, what the hell were we talking about? Like, how do we have so much to say? Yeah. Well, that's why it's really hard to make uh, friends as adults because, you know, you don't have as much time and you you only remember talking about everything you've ever done in your whole life with uh, these people that you went to school with. And now you're like, I don't know how to meet people. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's really hard. <laughs> How do I relate? Are they going to think I'm weird? You know, we're all... Because they don't know you. They don't know you from growing up. Like, Well, one good thing is if you, like, have a common interest, like movies, like we do. Mm. So we can, like, you know, end up meeting people through podcasting and things like this who have a similar uh, obsession with movies. Because I don't... We don't know a lot of people in real life who are as into movies as us. No. Um we know a lot of music people we end up you know running with a lot of music people somehow but uh not not movie people no i mean i love music too so that that does work but yeah that movie itch doesn't get scratched oh going back to it sarah you said there were other songs from this you thought were good what were they oh um the song from jimmy eat world um in your eyes yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't think of what it's called. That's okay. I have that one too. Um, I think there's like one other. Obviously, I have. I swear. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. That end credit sequence with him lip syncing is yes. amazingly funny. It's never not funny. Mm. Like I could watch that over and over, and I would still laugh at exactly the same points, no less. I mean, I love the parts where he kind of hits. You know, he's like doing like a high note, and it's like he surprised mm-hmm. himself. And it's so funny to me. And then when he, of course, when he starts fake playing the saxophone. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <great. laughs> hey, who thought that uh, Chris should have ended up with Samantha? Oh, God, not me. See, I kind of wanted him to end up with Samantha. He, She's awful. <laughs> she's, I guess maybe it's just because she's, she's so funny. She's insane. Yeah. And I like her, but maybe she should have ended up with the brother. Oh, the brother. With Mike. <laughs> we haven't talked enough about they Mike. seem like the they seem like the right amount of trouble for each other 
when he gives her the Vicodin and she has like that blue toothpaste oh, kind of thing, thing happening. Oh my God. Oh my God. And it's just like, can you imagine like if I'm just like this with you and I just have all this blue foam? Oh, she put it on his face. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's a gross. She's a lot. She's a lot. I like her. She's funny. I mean, I guess I'm thinking about Anna Ferris as like the actress because I just think she's so awesome. Yeah. If you say, why don't you know, you want to hang out with Anna Ferris, I get that. But Samantha is, is a 10 pounds of trouble in a five pound bag. Well, and with the Mike and Chris stuff, you know, with, with all the brotherly stuff, I mean, yeah, it, it was just like you could feel what was going on with them. I mean, some of the stuff, some of the language in this is pretty dated overall. Yeah. Um, that that just gave me like these cringe moments. I'm like, what? What did we yeah, say? Yeah, with the brothers, what they call each other is not kosher anymore. No. It wouldn't fly anymore in a movie. But yeah, I, their relationship is very real, though. Well, it's, I mean, again, that it's going back to something we all talked about earlier, which is the relationships are what makes this movie. Yeah. And I mean, that's really what makes any holiday movie is we're close and then we have this change. Yeah. And then we, we definitely see that in this. Well, I mean, and then I think like, so let's say Chris and Jamie successfully go out on a date and like they decide to become a couple. Yeah. How's it going to be when he has to deal with her dad all the time? <laughs> I don't know. His display got torched, and he was not psyched about it. And also, he was really mean to Chris before, too. Yeah. Like, for no reason. No. Yeah. I mean, you can... Having that kid, Chris, be your daughter's friend, I don't see how you can have a, a big problem with that, because Chris was, like, a really sweet kid. But, you know, people are what they are. Well, what happened to Mike, do we think, when he got older? What do we think happened? What did he do with Him this? Him and life? Samantha are together. That's yeah. it? All right. That's what I think too. That's who that's who goes together. Well, do you think they, they Mike got into music? I don't think so. What did Mike do? I don't know. What what would he do? I don't know. That's that's why I'm curious. Concert promoter. Concert yeah, promoter? Could, okay. He could work with maybe he could get a job with his brother. And they would just fight with each other all the time. Oh, man. That would have been a movie with the two of them working together. And then so that that would have been a great sequel. Oh. I would really like to see that. And Steven Root just giving him hell all the time. It's good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I would have watched that. I would have watched that. I like at the end uh, when the three kids are sitting together and uh, he gives Sarah a cookie and then Sarah turns to the next person and gives it to them. And he's like, I'm the bestest. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> oh. Because you just see the cycle repeating. <laughs> uh, I thought that was a funny way to end it. And then, of course, they they go into that I swear lip sync. Which, you know, I'm guessing when we first saw this movie, we were all, you know, at the beginning, he kind of does half of it. And we were probably all thinking, boy, I wish we could see that whole thing. And then, of course, they gifted us that at the end, which was great. Yeah. Well, that was a great discussion on this really funny movie that I think is definitely going to find its way back into our Christmas, uh, what what would I call it? Rotation. rotation. Mm -hmm. Our rotation is pretty hefty, so we don't make it around to every movie every year, but I would definitely put this in there so we can watch it again in a couple years and, and enjoy it, because it is a lot of fun, tons of laughs. Yeah. I mean, we were laughing our butts off on this one, and it does have kind of a nostalgia factor. Huge. From, you know, the high school era being our kind of era, and then, you know, the 05 
you know, present day point. I kind of have nostalgia for that time too at this point because it, it was so long ago now. Um, but yeah, so that was a great talk. Um, Sarah, where can we uh, find your podcast? Where can our listeners find you? You can find us at Two Chicks Talking Flicks on all platforms. Great. And you have, do you have any social media accounts that you want to share? Yeah, they're um, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok is all Two Chicks Talking Flicks. Right. And so. on our socials, when we post the show, we'll be sure to share those as well so everybody can jump over and listen to Two Chicks Talking Flicks um, and explore more content with Sarah and her co-hosts. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. Well, thank you for having me. Well, that was our Just Friends episode. Thank you again, Sarah, for being with us. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with a very special guest. We've got George's mom coming on the show, and we're going to be talking about It's a Wonderful Life. So we're really excited for it, and we can't wait for you to join us. A happy holiday season. And until we talk to you again, stay comfy. Stay comfy. Thank you, Sarah. Bye. Thank you.